You're listening to the Vineyard Community Church Podcast with Pastor Rick Francis. For more information, visit vccmountcomfort.org. Good morning, everyone. Welcome to Vineyard Community Church at Mount Comfort. My name's Rick Francis, and I have the joy of pastoring this wonderful fellowship. An absolute delight. We're going to continue in John chapter 16. We'll begin reading at verse 25. Jesus is speaking to his disciples, and he says, Though I have been speaking figuratively, a time is coming when I will no longer use this kind of language, but will tell you plainly about my Father. In that day you will ask in my name. I am not saying that I will ask the Father on your behalf. No, the Father himself loves you, because you have loved me and have believed that I came from God. I came from the Father and entered the world. Now I'm leaving the world and going back to the Father. Then Jesus' disciples said, Now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Now we can see that you know all things and that you do not, ev- that you do not even need to have anyone ask you questions. This makes us believe that you came from God. You believe at last, Jesus answered, but a time is coming and has come when you will be scattered each to his home. You will leave me all alone, yet I am not alone, for my Father is with me. I have told you these things so that in me you may have peace. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, I have overcome the world." Let's pray. Father, we thank you for your word. We thank you for the gospel. We ask, Father, that you would release your spirit and anoint our ears to hear, our eyes to see, and our hearts to receive the truth of what you're speaking to the church today. For we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. World Conquest makes a great game of strategy, but it doesn't seem to be a very good idea to do in reality. Everyone that's tried to conquer the world meets uh, that moment in the conquest where things go wrong. Today, I don't wanna talk about world conquest as Christ in the Passion, as you'll see in just a minute says, and I have conquered the world, but it's a different kind of conquest. It's not a conquest of territory, (laughs) of usurping and and taking and bringing under slavery the conquered nations. No, it's a freedom that comes from being released from the bondage of sin and death. Just the selfishness of, of egocentricism. And so as we look at the context of this passage of scripture this morning, we see that it continues from last week. Jesus is preparing his his disciples. He's talking to them. He's getting ready to go to the cross and he's preparing them for just a horrific week of suffering, ending with the crucifixion and the burial of Jesus. But last week we looked and we saw that as he's preparing, he tells them that they will have sorrow but that sorrow will turn to joy when they see him. 
It's, it's, the, it's the joy of not just being able to go to the Father and ask for whatever they need, but it's the joy of seeing him. It's the joy of a new relationship with Jesus. And so here Jesus is teaching in John 16, and, and the disciples are still scratching their head trying to figure out, what in the world is the master talking about? Where is he going with all of this? Here's how it reads in the Passion. I have spoken to you using figurative language, but the time is coming when I will no longer teach you with veiled speech, but I will teach you about the Father with your eyes unveiled. And I will not need to ask the Father on your behalf, for you'll ask him directly because of your new relationship with me. For the Father tenderly loves you because you love me and believe that I come from God. I came to you sent from the Father's presence and I entered into the created world and now I will leave this world and return to the Father's side. His disciples said, at last you're speaking to us clearly and not using veiled speech and metaphors. We, now we understand that you know everything there is to know and we don't need to question you further. And everything you've taught us convinces us that you have come directly from God. Jesus replied, now? That's the way I read it. It's like, now you understand? <laughs> now you finally believe in me? And the time has come when you will all be scattered and each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. Yet I am never alone, for the Father is always with me. And everything I've taught you is so that the peace which is in me will be in you and will give you great confidence as you rest in me. For this unbelieving world, you will, for in this unbelieving world, you will experience trouble and sorrows, but you must be courageous, for I have conquered the world." So we see that the way that Jesus communicated with his disciples and with the multitudes was that he spoke to them in parables. He used metaphors, analogies, uh, figurative speech, proverb, proverbial statements. And it, it kind of had a veiled sense to it. In Matthew 13, 34, Jesus spoke all these things to the crowd in parables. He did not say anything to them without using a parable. So was fulfilled what was spoken through the prophet. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter things since the foundation. I will utter things hidden since the foundation of the world. You know, when you're trying to communicate something that nobody has a grid for, nobody has a foundation to understand, and you're using words, you have to use the words that they can somehow connect with and relate to. And so we find that a lot of times when Jesus is speaking in parables, he's using the, the language of farming. He's using the language of planting and sowing and waiting and reaping and harvesting and all of, all of those kind of things because it was agrarian kind of culture. And that's how they understood. So he's relating spiritual things to natural things so that we can begin to have a glimpse 
into the arena that we don't even have a, a grid for. We can't understand. I love the, the special way that Jesus speaks to us. <clears throat> he says, and it's spoken by the prophet, but it's actually coming from Psalm 78, verse 1 and 2, 3 and 4. It says, Oh, my people, hear my teaching. Listen to the words of my mouth. I will open my mouth in parables. I will utter hidden things, things from of old. What we have heard and known, what our fathers have taught us, we will not hide them from our children. We will tell the next generation the praiseworthy deeds of the Lord, his power and the wonders he has done. The context, even by Jesus taking that and saying, this is why he spoke in parables. This is why he used figurative language. It wasn't so much to conceal things from us, but it was bring us into uh, an awareness of a realm that we weren't even aware of. And so we, we find that as he, as he does this, he says, we take everything that we've known and we've passed it on to our children. And as our children go up, they take everything that they've heard from us and the things that they've learned from the Lord himself, the things that they've experienced, and they pass it on to their children. And this is the pattern, that, the way it's supposed to be. We're supposed to take everything that we have been privileged to learn and receive and pass it on to the next generation because we want all generations to know more than what we know. Now, the problem is sometimes in our humanness, the arrogance gets in and we think that we know more than everybody else. And we don't understand that that is a responsibility of everything that we've received, all the understanding, all the insight that we have, we are then to share with others. I love the way it's been expressed that our generation should strive for the greatest understanding of things within the kingdom of God that we possibly can attain to. And then we take the baton and our ceiling, the, the, the highest achievement that we've been able to achieve through understanding of the Lord's love, goodness, how his kingdom operates and functions, we pass that on to the next generation and our ceiling becomes their floor. Yes. And then they take all that we have shared with them and all that the Holy Spirit is sharing with them, all that they're seeing in the scriptures that we read and read over, but now they're seeing it and it's bringing life. Now they share that with their children and, and continues to go. And so we see that a lot of the, the Pauline expressions of going from faith to faith, going from glory, one degree of glory to another degree of glory, is all about the progression of how we grow and how we understand and how we move in the spirit realm of understanding God's kingdom, his ways, his love. I want to encourage us with that. We've got Murphy. We've got Fletcher. We've got Hayden, Layla, Zoe. We've got Debbie. Yep. We have a whole lot of little ones that are given to us. And we have a responsibility to know as much as we can get to know. Not, not in the accumulation of head knowledge, but the accumulation of relational experience, experiential knowledge 
that we can just leak on them. It's not so much that we formally teach them, but they absorb it as we live life in light of truth and the revelation that the Lord's given to us. It just oozes out and touches them and they catch it more than they get it taught academically in their brain. I love the way Jesus teaches. And so he continues. He says, the time is coming. The time is coming. And it's really, really close. He's talking with the disciples right before he gets arrested. And he said, the time is coming. And it's really, really close when I will just speak plainly to you. The, the using of figurative won't be necessary. Why? Because he's used parables to begin to lay a foundation of understanding of how the spirit world works and how his kingdom works that they're, that they're growing into. And now they've come to a place that he can just speak plainly about the father. Hmm. I will teach you about the father with your eyes unveiled. We need more than one yes. yes. We need a lot of yes. Man, to, to think that it's time, it's time now. It was time back then, and that time has continued on in today, that the Lord Jesus will teach us about the Father with unveiled speech. Our eyes will be open and we'll see. It's time for asking the Father directly. This is repeating what we've already looked at because it's just in the verses above this. <clears throat> that there is a time now for asking the Father directly. We don't have to go through Jesus and Jesus doesn't have to go through the Father on our behalf. Now we have access to go straight to the Father and ask directly. Why? Because of the new relationship that's been established in Christ. Through his death and his resurrection, through what, what seems to be the revelation that he was sent from the Father in heaven. And that when they realized that Jesus came from heaven to earth, it seems to be somehow that unlocks something in the realm that now causes them to have a level of faith and to believe so that now they can see with opened eyes. There's no need for veils. The veils have been removed because of your new relationship with me. And out of that new relationship with me, my love for you, your love for me, now because the Father also tenderly loves you as he loves me. The Father tenderly loves us just as he loved his son, Jesus. And he says, because you love me, the Father loves you. You want more love from the Father? Have more love for Jesus. The more you love Jesus, the more you'll experience the love of the Father. Hmm. And because you believe that I have come from God, that, that is kind of uh, an interesting little expression. I'd encourage you to look at this because in Jesus' prayer in chapter 17 of John, he says, you know, all of this so that they will believe that you have sent me. Something about believing that the Father sent the Son to the earth is so 
crucially important at the very core of what we are able to believe when we believe that the Father has sent his Son. That puts us at a different level of being able to receive without veils. Jesus goes on and says, I came to you sent from the Father's presence. I entered the created world and I will leave this world and return to my Father's side. Wow. And we know what happens after he returns to his Father's side. From there he sends the Holy Spirit to the earth. Now the disciples. Now we get it. Oh, now we understand. Man, why didn't you just start with that? You know, why did you wait for three years to finally reveal this to us? (laughs) That's the way they seem to be coming off. Now you're speaking clearly and without figures of speech. Oh, really? (laughs) Now we can see that you know all things. Just, just in a, in, a, in a verse, couple verses, now they think they've got it. Be careful when you think you've got it. Has anybody ever experienced that? All of a sudden you, you come across some kind of revelation and you think, now I got it. Now, now I've got the key. Now I've got the secret. Now I've got the victory. I don't know how many times it is when, when we're pursuing, especially if, if we have behaviors in our life that we do, don't want in our, be, in our life, unwanted behaviors. And so we're, we're trying to get, we're working on them. And finally we read something in the scripture and it clicks and we say, now I've got it. Now I've got what's going to get me out of this. Oh, that's so good. That's so good. And we think now we've got it. Anytime you think now you've got it, you don't have it. <laughs> because it's never about it. It's about him. It's never going to be a secret understanding that you have that breaks through to healing. It's going to be a secret understanding of relationship in Him. It's an encounter and experience in Him where the truth finally clicks and it makes sense. And it goes from head knowledge to heart knowledge. And you now understand what He meant when He wrote the scripture that unlocked your heart. So forever, I I would think, okay, I've had this experience. Now I'm free. Now I never have to worry about this issue ever again. And I declare the wonders of freedom and liberty. And after six weeks, I find that I've kind of got snared again. I'm thinking, what is going on? What is it that, that truly sets one free? It's only the ongoing walk of relationship with him. Thank you for those spike moments where you get a revelation and an encounter, but it's precisely at the moment of revelation that the enemy kind of comes in and says, now you have the secret truth that will get you home from here instead of, oh, I've connected with Jesus in in a new way. I need to stay connected with him. From this. No, we think because of our connection and because of the revelation, now we have something that we somehow thinks unlocks everything. 
I love breakthrough moments. Don't misunderstand me. I love breakthrough moments. But I think a lot of breakthrough is followed by <laughs> collapses because we, we think it's what we learned in the breakthrough instead of the relationship that we've experienced in the breakthrough. Anybody understanding? Yeah. So when we, when we get a breakthrough, let's think of it as a breakthrough, not from something, but a breakthrough into relationship at another level that causes us to be able to live. And then out of that, you'll find that there is a sustaining presence and the other stuff just dissipates. It just becomes a non-issue. This makes us believe, oh, we don't have to ask you, no one has to ask you any questions. <laughs> now they, they, they think, and this makes us believe that you came from God. I just, I, I crack up when the disciples, you know, when the water turned to wine, then they believed that he was the Messiah. You know, and then this supernatural miracle and this supernatural miracle, and then others believed, da, 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 da. And here now, they're saying, oh, we believe you came from God. It'll be interesting in heaven. Those guys, the forerunners, thankful that we've got their stories and they're so honest because it gives us encouragement when we realize how often we get it wrong. We get maybe 60% of it right and we're still got 40% that's still, yeah. Well, I think we're all gonna be surprised when we get to heaven, how little we actually <laughs> understood compared to what we will know when we see him. Yeah. Here's Jesus' response to their now. <laughs> Jesus has his now. <laughs> now you finally believe in me. <laughs> <laughs> right now, in this moment of confidence that you think that you know who I am and that you believe in me, guess what's coming this week? <laughs> this week, I die. This week, you'll all scatter. Whoa. Oh, this week, you will have sorrow like you've never known. You will grieve from the depths of your spirit. Wow. Each one of you will go your own way, leaving me alone. Now, mind you, they left everything for three years and followed Jesus. They probably considered themselves to be the most dedicated, most absolutely on fire, connected to Jesus of anyone on planet Earth. And Jesus is saying, you're going to leave me alone. You're all going to scatter. You're going to leave me. Why does Jesus tell them that? Is he wanting to take them in their moment of greatest confidence? We believe you came from God to just kind of reduce them back down and put them in their place. I don't think that's what's going on here at all. I imagine he's full of joy that they're finally believing. But he also knows what the enemy's going to try to do through the suffering, the death, the burial, what he's going to do. He's going to hit them with the hardest blow they've ever received. And so he's, he's telling them these things so that they won't shame themselves away from him. 
A lot of times when I've read this passage, I thought Jesus was just really trying to shame him. Yeah, you guys think you're going to be with me. Peter, before the night grows, you'll deny me three times. Those kind of things. Like, Instead of seeing the loving nurture of the Savior, that Jesus is trying to prepare them, you're going to do your very best. Yeah, you, you are seeing things better. You are seeing things more accurately. But guess what? There's still some things that you don't understand. And the enemy will try to take the things that you don't understand and try to shame you, try to get yourself, uh, get you to foul yourself out of the game, try to disqualify yourself and remove yourself from the premise because there's some things that you still don't know. But come to me. Stay in relationship with me. That's where your security is. That's the place that you will find the deepest, most steadfast stability in your life. It's not because you know something intellectually, but because you know me and you're under the shadow of my wing. You're in in communion with me. That's what will get you through the day. And so you just think, as believers, you know, we're going along. Who knew the coronavirus was going to hit? Do you know how many people this has hit and they've gotten so sideways with God that they don't even know? It'd be nice if, if Jesus said, relax, folks. In a little while, this virus will just come and spread throughout the earth. You will have sorrow. You will have trouble. Whatever manifestation. You lose your job. <laughs> you 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 enter into some kind of financial hardship. Uh, Things start breaking down in the natural, like furnaces and air conditioners and carpet and all the other stuff. But I have conquered the world. I have conquered the world. Your, Your... what you need in this hour of knowing that you're going to scatter, that you're all going to leave me alone, what you need in this hour is the peace that's inside me. And so Jesus goes to peace. He says, the peace that resides in me will reside in you. That's what you need. I give you my peace. What is in me now gets transferred to you. When you have peace, guess what, folks? You've got a lot. It will give you great confidence as you just rest in me. Not as you strive to try to be ahead of the class, top of the food chain, the greatest disciple ever recorded in, in history. No, it's as you just rest in me, peace will come. For in this unbelieving world, you'll experience trouble and sorrows. But you must be courageous. That doesn't mean you won't be afraid. <laughs> you must be courageous. How many times in the scripture does God tell his people 
that they must be courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. Joshua, be strong and courageous. He repeats it to Joshua. You know, when you're getting ready for battle, the call is to courage. It's, it's not about fear. But I find that, that the kind of courage that comes in the kingdom is not because I have no fear, but it's because I'm in love. As I love Jesus with all my heart, soul, mind, and strength, I receive the love of the Father. And out of that love comes an ability to advance that just goes and and presses right through all the fears, all the intimidation that the enemy provides and tries to establish inside of us, all our track record, our history that the evil one tries to remind us. Last time you tried this, you know, you fell flat on your face. No, love is what compels. Relationship with Christ because of your new relationship in Christ. I have conquered the world. There is peace in the conquering of the Lord Jesus. NIV says, I have overcome the world, but that word can be translated, I've conquered it. I have have established a new realm of authority that transcends the realm of authority that was over this place. So let's learn about that new realm in our relationship with him. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. To receive more audio content from The Vineyard, click the subscribe button in iTunes.